And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, made and anchoring. Hear that co-host shouting, it's Dainer and Jay. Welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Daner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic, here with you on Sunday night at Paycor Stadium as the Bengals beat the Cleveland Browns, their arch nemesis that they cannot beat. They find a way, and they do break their, their losing streak against Cleveland and uh, 23-10 in a game that, Jay, I, I good teams – Great teams win games when they don't play great and when things don't always go right. And really good teams win those games handily. Bengals had a lot go wrong for them today. At one point I looked out and their skill position players were Mitch Wilcox, Trent Irwin, Trent Taylor, Samaj P. Ryan, and Jamar Chase. And they still went out there and found a way to beat a Cleveland team that has given them fits, 23 to 10, and the game was never really that much in doubt. That says something about where they are now as they roll to five consecutive wins uh, and still chasing down that number one seed. Yeah, it, it, this isn't anything new because we've seen Trent Irwin step up when Jamar Chase was out. We've, we've seen... The, the depth on this roster really shine. But this was different. Th- those are times when you have days leading up to a game to prepare. This was T. Higgins hurting his hamstring in pregame warmups and Tyler Boyd dislocating his finger on the first snap of the game. And all of a sudden, two of your top three weapons are gone. The game plan is blown up. Um, and I, I think the defense kind of knew this was going to be on their shoulders anyhow. It was clear at that point the defense was going to have to win this game, and they were terrific. Um, just came up time and time again with with big plays. Not a great Cleveland offense, but one that has given this team fits in the past. Didn't give up the big plays. Didn't let Nick Chubb get loose. What, he had 34 rushing yards. Just a total, total shutdown effort by this defense. And you're right. This, these are the kind of games that – championship that really, really elite teams win, and this is the matter they win it in. They didn't have to scrape it out at the end. It felt like they were they were in control for much of that second half. Yeah, we're going to touch on a bunch of different aspects to this. The, the T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, um, with Higgins with the hamstring, and Boyd who dislocated his finger. Uh, I mean – I don't have the details on it yet. We're still pretty soon after the game, but I mean, he did not come back. So it's a, you can assume when that happens, that's typically a, 
go to the hospital, go get surgery. We'll yeah. get that confirmed. But I mean, the fact that he never came back was alarming to the seriousness of his finger injury. And he was, you know, a couple guys talked about, he was clearly in a lot of pain. They saw him after that play. We're, we're going to talk about that. We're talking about Burrow who had one, a, a very blah day for him, had some interesting things to say about his interception that he had. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about a flea flicker. Um, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff offensively, but I, you're right. We have to start on the defensive side of the ball. We don't do it enough. We need to. DJ Reader is a manimal. <laughs> he, I, I don't know why teams. He, he had a he had a great a number of great quotes to me. So I, I I like to do this sometimes when guys just have this otherworldly nature about certain things that they do. Is ask them if they can explain to the average person that has no real ability to do anything, <laughs> what it feels like to do said unbelievable thing that you do. And in this case, stone Nick Chubb in the backfield or consistently yeah. find your way in the backfield against their team that is just trying to run against you over and over again. And that's what he said. He said, you know, he, now he has a three-year-old uh, named Rocky. And he said, it feels like when I wrestle with my son, I know he's going to try me every time. And I got thrown to the ground every time. I know it's coming. When it fully comes, I get excited because I know it's an opportunity to show what I'm all about. And DJ made sure to point out that you hear a lot about the respect that this Browns offensive line gets. That Nick Chubb gets, rightfully so. BJ Hill called him best running back in football. Um. And it's kind of funny. You don't usually hear my name in that same respect. And they notice. He notice. Yeah. He's, this has kind of been the respect campaign for DJ Reader all year. And he has been earning it. If anybody ain't paying attention, that's your problem. He's been playing what, unbelievable up front. And you now have Derrick Henry, who had 17 for 38. And you now have Nick Chubb, who had 14 for 34, including only six yards in the second half. Yeah. On Sunday, Nick Chubb uh, has had 14 carries in the game 52 times. That is the second worst yards per rush number of his career. The same thing happened with Derrick Henry just two weeks ago, where you had he had had 17 carries in the game 51 times, and that was the second lowest yards per carry of his career. This Bengals defense, their ability to stop the run is game-changing. B.J. Hill, too. B.J. Hill had a great game right next to D.J. Reader. The two of them together are a hell of a punch. Sam Hubbard, we know what he is against. I mean, teams just continue to live in these bad down and distances. And if you don't have a quarterback that can light it up, or you don't have to feel like you have to try to run the ball, that's part of your identity – you're just in a lot of trouble against these guys. Yeah. And you, you talk about DJ Reader and what he is against the run. Don't forget, first play of the game for the Browns, he gets a quarterback hit. I mean, he 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 does it all. And it's not just that D-line. Logan Wilson, 17 tackles today. Cam Taylor Britt, we've talked about it since he got here, just a beast at, in run support and, and sticking his nose in there. And now he's taking the next step. As a coverage guy, it is. It's it's that time of year. It's it's still a passing league, but running gets way more important as the weather gets colder. The games get more important, and 
you, you, you're starting to wonder if Derrick Henry can't do it and Nick Chubb can't do it, who's going to be able to run the ball on this team? And, you know, they don't, when you have those guys playing the way they are, they don't have to stack the box. They don't have to bring run blitzes. They don't have to do any of that stuff. They just kind of let them dominate up front, and they have continued to do it. Game balls for both of those guys from Zach Taylor after the game. I'm glad you talked about Cam Taylor-Britt, who you're writing about um, today, because, you know, we've talked a lot about that. Where When the Cheeto injury happened, the worry was, can Cam Taylor-Britt rise to a level that can get anywhere in the vicinity of what Cheeto brought you? Or when these good quarterbacks start showing up, will they – Target to expose him. Second round rookie, still trying to figure things out in coverage. Coverage had been shaky at times as he's kind of gotten used to the league. But Patrick Mahomes, for all that happened last week, never really directly targeted Cam Taylor Britt. And and that was a great thing for the Bengals. I mean, he was just he was a part of the plan and he did, did not stand out as someone who was being taken advantage of. As the Browns were trying to come back in this game. They specifically, near the goal line in particular, the red zone, targeted Cam Taylor Britt four times, including three times with Amari Cooper. They all came away empty. PBUs, great position. That, I think, would be a really big moment for him. And then along the same lines for this defense in the big picture of the season uh, of what he was able to do and the confidence that can come from that. Yeah, Jesse Bates had a great quote. I was asking him about Cam Taylor Britt, and he was he he, well, he said he's fearless as shit, <laughs> and so that was a great quote. But then he went on and said, you know, it's kind of like Joe Burrow. Everyone asks us what makes Joe Burrow so special, and it's hard to define, but it's in the big moment. You know he's going to be at his best. He's not going to be afraid, and he's going to make the play. And Cam Taylor Britt is a lot like that. And then he said, we all are on defense, but he singled out Cam Taylor Britt. Von Bell said he's growing up between, before our eyes. I mean, that was big. He nearly had a pick on the one at the pylon. Um, and then the to jar the ball loose from Peoples-Jones on the fourth down play, which that could have been a touchdown. And I said the Bengals seemed to have control of the game for the entire second half, and they did. But that was still... There was a decent amount. I think that drive started with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And if Cleveland, they get down the red zone, they find a way to punch that in there. They're a stop away from getting the ball back with a chance to win the game. Um, so those those were huge plays by Cam Taylor Britt. And, you know, it's it, there's been twice this year already where Lou said, don't ever do that again. And he hasn't repeated those mistakes. And he's just, just the growth he's had from – it, the, the first Cleveland game wasn't his first. He, he got he got his feet wet against Atlanta, but that's when you knew, okay, this is when this kid has to step up when Cheeto went down in that Cleveland game. And from that game on Halloween to today, just incredible growth from the rookie. Yeah, and a big deal. And it, 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 it completes their defense. Well, as one goes up, another one goes down. The report tonight, uh, Trey Hendrickson with a broken wrist. Um, and it's going to miss some weeks. We don't know the extent of that. We don't have the details on that. That was a report from Ian, Ian Rappaport and James Palmer, NFL Network. Um, but it does, it sets up for 
you know, another draft pick with a lot of hype around him that hasn't really had a chance to show it too much. Had the biggest play of his career last week against Kansas yeah. City. Joseph Osai, who's going to have to step in and play edge. He'll split that with Cam Sample, who I'm sure will get some run too, who has kind of done a little bit of everything there. But Osai in particular, uh, an opportunity for him. It's funny you tweeted about this, Jay. It's perfect. This, the NFL does this. It feels like things always end up in these cyclical storylines. The hype for Joseph Osai began at that one preseason game in Tampa. And now he will probably be thrust into a much bigger role as the Bengals return to Tampa uh, for the first time, really, since maybe the hype, the Joseph Osai hype train always starts in Tampa, Florida, is what Bengals fans <laughs> will hope. He sacked Brady in that game. Didn't count because it's preseason now. Maybe he can get... Brady and Mahomes on his resume within a two or within a three game span. Yeah. Uh, a lot uh, of time to talk about that as we go forward. Jay, I'm going to try to hang on. My voice has been playing rough hurt. all day. I'm playing hurt. I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep it under control, but there I'm going to see how much of this I can, I can get in. I'm, there's going to be cracks. It's going to be cracks. <laughs> but gonna, I got to play through it. I got to play through it here. All right, let's just take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, you, you come in with Higgins, not sure. So apparently in the pre, pre, pre warmups, um, T Higgins felt the return of that hamstring that he had. 
tweaked a little bit on Thursday. They assumed he was going to be good to go to the point that he wasn't even on the injury report uh, for the game. And then he comes out and he's kind of feeling it. And so, well, he says he's okay enough, but what we can do is put together a red zone package where he's either a decoy on some plays or he just goes in there on red zones or wherever and throws him just so he doesn't have to go out and open it up. You see, you can get him in a small package of plays where he can keep him safe. And Zach Taylor said after the game, look, I didn't want to have to do that. I was hoping we get out to a lead and then I maybe we could just totally shelf him and not have to worry about it, but wanted him to stay there and keep it warm. But still, he was not going to be part of it. Um, in, a, in the big way. And then on the second play, Tyler Boyd has the finger injury. So now you're without both of these guys out of nowhere. They said at noon they had this meeting about, okay, here's what it's going to be. Now, then they said that, that there was no time for a meeting when Boyd happened. It's just everyone's kind of trying to react on the fly. And they said they were kind of reworking the game plan on the fly during the entire course of the game. And to have that going on um, against a team that has given you fits – and then the first three drives are all punts. They're awful. Terrible. I mean, they, they could barely get a first down. The only thing that saved them was the Browns started committing penalties yeah. and able to, you know, they had five, I don't know what they ended up with. They At one point, they had five first downs via penalty. So you end up with a lot of sluggishness going on. But they still found a way to, to get something going. And, you know, Trent Taylor catches one and, and breaks free for a 34-yard gain. It was a big difference, but I thought there, there was a lot to be said about the offense sort of just finding a way to figure it out through the muck today because it was just a lot of a lot of muck. A couple of guys called it a grinder, you know, one of those yeah. AFC North grinders. That was it. That was. I mean, that they – Cleveland really helped them on that drive. They, they for it starts with the roughing the punter, then there's a penalty, defensive holding on a sack. I mean, Cleveland doing everything right and then making these penalties, and the Bengals capitalize the 34 yarder, longest of Trent Taylor's career, and then Trent Irwin catches the flea flicker, a huge play for him. I mean, that's again those guys stepping up like that, and the running game was solid. It was a mix of of P Ryan. They worked him in. Uh, I thought it was going to be more of an even balance the way they worked him in early, uh, but it did end up being more of the mix and show, but they did. It was, it, they, they grinded it out, made the plays when they had to, had some mistakes, but you know, 23 points when your defense has given up 10, that was a good enough performance. It was exactly what they needed in this game. They didn't need to blow the Browns out. They, they, they were relying on the defense and, We'll see. We'll see going forward what that means for T, what it means for TB. It was concerning because a lot of times when guys get hurt, you see them. They come back. They're, if they're out for the game, they come back in street clothes and they watch. And Maybe we missed him, but I don't. I kept looking. I did not see TB on the sideline. You would think with a finger that would not be a, as big of a deal. So there could have been a trip somewhere to get it taken care of right away. Um, definitely going to be something to monitor moving forward. Yeah. Um the health of a lot of guys on offense will be monitoring that they're going to be trying to get Hayden Hurst back. Yeah. You know, they're going to be trying to see what T's hamstring is going to be like. They're going to be trying to see what's going on with this finger. I mean, there's just, there's a, you know, you've got a lot of these Knicks, but you know, they've, they've done a good job all year of, of guys stepping up. The funny thing was how about T Higgins just sneaking onto the field. So apparently, <laughs> I mean, this is like, 
it, the joke after the game, we're joking with uh, with some of the Cleveland.com guys about uh, it, it, was he in like the Bobby Valentine mask? <laughs> where it's like, is, is that T? Was that T Higgins? Is like Scooby going to come by and pull the mask off of him? He, he apparently, he quote, found his way onto the field like some guys do, according to Zach Taylor, uh, getting on early in that game. And it was like, no, 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 I do not want him out here playing. I don't know how the why it's suggested that that happens a lot. I don't know. Like, are there a lot of guys sneaking on in the field? I don't know. Either way, that was an interesting uh, con- concept uh, to hear about after this game. But, you know, let's talk about the flea flicker because, you know, the game's close. It's not, I mean, not over. It's 13 to 3. Yeah. Um, there's a bit, again, we talked about the sluggishness that they had had, and they get down to the 45. And they said it was time to bring this out. And they had seen it during the week. I'd seen it for a while. It's just kind of a a trait of Cleveland safeties and DBs to really scream downhill against the run. And they had been running the ball well. You know, mixing into the day, 14 for 96, 6.9 per carry. Uh, P. Ryan was 4 for 22, 5.5 per carry. So they anticipate the way they've been running it in a situation where they typically have been running it tendency, right? To run it, run the flea flicker. So they give it to Mixon and Mixon said he looked up and he saw those guys coming down and knew before he turned, this is about to be six. He turned around. He's pretty pretty good at the spin. Give him a good spin on the ball. when He tosses it back, spun it back. Trent Taylor said, he was running on a, a corner the other direction. He heard the crowd get loud, and he thought, oh, no, a sack happened. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he turned back to his right and realized it wasn't, and he saw Irwin running free. So he just, before the ball was even got near him, just was yelling, let's go. <laughs> and Trent Irwin said, you know, I've, I've, I've not been that open. I have not been that open at, maybe ever. It was the perfect play call for the perfect time. It caught the Browns doing, knowing what they thought they might catch him doing. And Taylor, we were talking about it. Like, I often wonder why teams still call flea flickers because it never seems to yeah. be that open. Yeah. It ends up in like a check down or something like that or throwing a guy who's kind of covered pretty well. This is the dream. The most perfectly executed flea flicker of all time with Trent Irwin wide open running that they practiced during the week, of course, with T. Higgins running that route. Burrow complimented him after the game, so that shows that Irwin knows everybody's plays. On he's studying to, to know every single thing because that was all on him. Irwin pointed out he had run that route on running plays and had popped the safeties a bunch of time going out there digging out the safety on the run play. So when he's going, they're thinking, "Here comes another hit," and off goes Trent and Irwin all alone over the top, perfectly timed, perfectly executed uh, play in a huge moment. And from that point forward. That was really it. Yeah, it was. It was. And the corner bit, I don't know how you would describe what the safety did. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was a sprint. Like there was like a pass was not even a possibility. And it was, it was so easy. And I thought it was curious too. I noticed after Irwin came to the sideline, he gave the ball to Burrow. And I was like, well, that wasn't any kind of milestone. What, what was that? And I asked him about it and he said, he was giving it to Joe because Joe always likes to know he'll, if it's a ball he likes, if it's a ball he wants to keep <laughs> in play. And uh, that one obviously was one they wanted to keep in play. And it was 
That was the second play of a drive. It wasn't like they were pounding, pounding, pounding. The previous drive, they had got the, the run game going. On the night, they get the ball back. They throw a 10-yard pass to Chase. And it kind of reminded me of the Atlanta game where they talked about when they get their second first down, they like to take that that shot. And that's what that was. They get a first a first down pass on, on the first play of the drive. It's first and 10 near midfield, and they take the shot, and it, it hit. And uh, good for Trent Irwin. That's two TDs now um, for him this season. And, you know, without T and Tyler Boyd, yeah. it was a lot more on Jamar Chase. And obviously lots of doubles, lots of attention, as you would expect. However, you know, they pointed out he played every spot. He played He played in the slot. He played both sides. He had a ton of motions. He was in the backfield motioning background that way they threw it to him behind the line tried to run reverse to him which he pointed out uh was just supposed to be a reverse strictly a reverse run but it was totally blown up he said i tried to do something cool and stand back like i was gonna throw it (laughs) to get him off balance and then run up the middle he said they they did not buy that at all and so i just eventually went down um and so it was but still a day where they found ways to get jamar chase the ball and get him away from the doubles and the attention and the shades and did it successfully. I mean, 10 for 119 in the touchdown, yep. a touchdown in which Burrow throws into a window uh, that uh, uh, I, I, I wish I could go back and pull the person off Twitter who said it, said <laughs> the only way I could define that window was Red's World Series hopes is the, the, the window that that was, how small it was. And so there's... He didn't even see it. He said he caught him off guard. He didn't even look until he looked back thinking there's no way that he's going to throw it, throw this ball to me. And he, so he's kind of casually turned around to see where the ball was going and it was on his hip and he quickly turned and caught it for a touchdown. I mean, Joe Burrow said after the game, that's, you know, Jamar Chase not paying attention is still one of the best receivers in the <laughs> National Football League. And it's kind of – that's the point, right, is that he, he – especially on this day, if he thinks there's any way Jamar could make the play, he was going to give him a chance. He did on that one. Big touchdown early. Yeah, I kind of said it when it happened. It, he, he had no choice but to catch it. Burrow put it in such a spot that it was either going to hit him and fall down or hit him in the hip and – he was going to catch it for the touchdown, which he did. Ten catches on a day when, yes, you have to figure that once Boyd and Higgins are out, that all the, the attention's going Jamar's way. Uh, one shy of his career high. That that was a a great sign because if that is going to be the case, if, if Higgins and Boyd are going to miss time, you know, I mean, Jamar's already getting tons of attention. It's it's going to grow with those guys out, and to be able to still connect on a day when it wasn't a great offensive day, but they got what they needed, found ways to get him the ball. And again, that's going to come in very, very handy if 85 or 83 need to miss games. Um, And so does Joe Mixon playing well. Um, You know, he came back and he had a 40 yard run. He was efficient. He was, he he was breaking tackles. Um, Look, can we stop? Yelling about Mixon and Pirine at every play, like the Mixon has continually proved himself when he's had opportunities, um, and so has Pirine. It's good to have both. Let's s- stop with this being uh, every carry being an indictment on who's better. Like you hear it from the fans, you I see it on Twitter after a couple of. It's like 
It's just unnecessary. They're both playing really well, which is mostly because the line is playing well. They're giving them space. The run game is playing off the pass game, all of that stuff. They're two of the most efficient backs in football. Mixon is still crazy explosive. Yes. He, he looked like the guy against Carolina who was breaking tackles and having explosive plays. A couple of 12s and a 40 today. I mean, he's just been playing really well, and so is Samaje Piran. And for the Bengals, that's good for everybody. Um, across the league now, Bengals in the chase for the number one seed still, but a big day of winning across the AFC uh, where you end up with the Bills beat the Jets. Kansas City hangs on in a weird game against Denver. Uh, and then Baltimore finds a way to beat the Steelers. Like, it's amazing to me how they win these games. Three red zone interceptions from Mitchell Trubisky. They were the stats on how many times the Steelers got inside the Ravens 20. I think it was five trips inside the 25 at one point with only a touchdown to show one single touchdown to show for it. I mean, three red zone interceptions and they still narrowly avoid. I mean, they still almost win the Steelers almost win that game, but Baltimore does hold on. So that both Bengals and Baltimore nine and four still setting up that sort of path for week 18 uh, that could turn into a game for the North could turn into a game for the number one seed. We'll see how everything's in the mix there. Obviously Buffalo at 10 and three with the chiefs as well um, are, are at the top right now, but Plenty of time to go. Now, also of note, Tampa Bay gets boat raced <laughs> by by Brock Purdy and San Francisco. So that's next week in Tampa, a Tampa team that's really struggling. Tom Brady not getting them back on track. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun content about Burrow and Brady at this week. Um, and it'll be, that'll be a big topic of conversation. But the bottom line is one team's playing really good. The other one looks like trash and has for a little while. Um, you know, you're going to talk about a Tampa Bay team um, right at 500. If it wasn't for their terrible division, um, they would be irre- almost irrelevant at this point. Um, so there's a lot There's a lot to digest from today's results. Not just that, but then after Tampa Bay, <coughs> we got a, a, a New England team that is playing terrible, that they will be going on the road to play. And, next, I mean, next week, the Bengals could be in first place by themselves before they step on the field in Tampa because the Browns will host the Ravens and the uh, uh, Ravens might be doing with their third string quarterback. You could Deshaun Watson again, wasn't great today, but you can see a little, it, it was better than what you saw last week. It's, it's coming. They just ran into a buzzsaw in the Bengals. So yeah, it's going to be a, a conflicted Bengal fan base next week. You're going to have to root for the Browns against the Ravens. Um, but it is, if, if, if Kansas City loses one more game, the Bengals will control their own destiny, not for the division, but for the number one seed. Kansas City going to those plucky Texans next week who <laughs> almost overcame that massive line and nearly yeah. beat Dallas today. So maybe there's some hope, I guess, um, in that game. But, yeah, their they're really soft schedule kind of continues um, as, as they go through the rest of the way. But still plenty of ball to go. Uh, but five in a row for Cincinnati now, and I mean, the way that they're playing, I don't know 
that there's a lot of concern. I mean, getting the one scene would obviously be a huge advantage. There's no question. And the way things are set up now with just a single buy, it's a big deal. But I don't think anybody uh, would feel anything other than extreme confidence if they were playing on the first weekend along with the rest of the AFC, the way that they're going right now. They just, you don't go on five-game win streaks in this league. You don't do it in December. You don't do it when they're against quality teams week in, week out. And the way they're playing right now continues to be amongst the best in football. Jesse Bates today says, what do we want, four in a row, five in a row? I said, you know you're hot when you can't even keep track of the, the length of the win streak. It is, it's been impressive. You know, they never won three in a, three in a row before under Zach. They, they top it last week with four, now it's five, and they're going to be, I would imagine, pretty decent favorites going to Tampa and going to New England. Yes. The win stacking uh, continues. Uh, we'll have plenty of content on what is going on this week in preparation for the trip to Tampa. Jay and I are very much looking forward to spending. You know, when you, when you see December 18th at Tampa on the schedule, you know you're going to like it. Uh, I think I'm going to like it. Very excited about spending the weekend uh, down in Florida for a couple of days. So we'll do that. Lots to get to down there. Going to be fun. Um, We might have a live room tomorrow. You're listening to me right now. (laughs) You're thinking, to hell you are, Paul. So I don't know if I'll be able to get it. We'll see how much I've been drinking. I've been taking some honey down like I'm Winnie the Pooh and drinking the hot tea and all the things you're supposed to do to try to get through. So we'll see. Where I'm at, we planned on having a live room uh, at noon, uh, so keep an eye out for that. We'll let you know tomorrow whether we can pull, I can pull it off or not. If not, ha- bring your questions for Jay, I guess would be <laughs> what I would say there. All right. Thanks so much for listening uh, to The Walkout. We appreciate it on the day the Bengals beat the Cleveland Browns 23-10 to 10 here at Paycor Stadium. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.